An adverse event occurs. You say you're sorry. What happens? According to the folks at Sorry Works, the medical malpractice crisis is actually a customer service crisis, miscast as a legal problem. Is that what you think, Doc? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Rabbi Erwin Kula. Rabbi Kula is the president of CLAL, the National Jewish Center for Learning and Leadership, a leadership training institute, think tank, and resource center located in New York City. Known as both a provocative religious leader and a respected spiritual iconoclast, Rabbi Kula was ranked number eight in Newsweek's list of top 50 rabbis in America. He is author of the book Yearnings, Embracing the Sacred Messiness of Life, and has appeared on the Today Show and on Oprah. Rabbi Kula, thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. It's great to be here. Today we're talking about how a doctor can close the gap with a patient who's been harmed and perhaps be forgiven by that patient. Is it really just a customer service problem? <laughs> the truth is one of our deepest, most primal yearnings is the yearning to be forgiven. Okay, so this is bigger than doctor-patient. It's almost as it's a built-in human need to be forgiven. So now when it gets expressed in a doctor-patient, it has its own particular details. But it's hard. It's hard work. And, and part of what we haven't taught our children and taught in our uh, professional schools is that forgiveness, it's like love. It, it's hard. You've got to work it in. You've got to practice. And it's really messy. And you have to be comfortable with the messiness of the process of forgiveness. And then, you know what? What else that we don't tell people is that sometimes, even when you do everything right in the process of asking for forgiveness, it's not granted. And so we have to live with a kind of brokenness. But it turns out it's easier to live with that brokenness if we've actually followed the practice and worked hard. So the brokenness, to sort of follow to the next level, a bad thing happened to the patient. There's a brokenness in the doctor-patient relationship, which many of us feel is a sacred relationship. How do you engage the person who's been injured? How do you reestablish the relationship? The process of asking forgiveness is always the same in every single relationship, just the more serious the mistake and the more life or death the issue, the harder one has to work. But here's the process. The first thing is to really realize that, wow, I messed up. Not someone else messed up, not the system messed up. I really messed up. Two, and I regret, I regret this because... I could have done it ABC. I really see now. I didn't see it then, but I really see now what my responsibility in this. And by the way, I haven't even talked to the patient yet. This is still going on inside of me. So a genuine experience of regret and then a real sense of resolve that, boy, this is how I'm going to correct this before I even go to the patient. This is how I'm going to correct this now and in the future. And only then, after that process, are we ready to engage the patient in a restorative or reparative kind of mode. And there, the key is to be honest and genuine and vulnerable. And that's very hard. It's to really be accountable. No, I'm sorry, but. No, I ask you forgiveness, but you know. No, no buts, no ifs. It's here's what happened. I want to take accountability. I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to really, okay, ask for forgiveness, Sam, I really, I really know what I did wrong here. The other thing is, don't expect, when it's a serious breach, don't expect this to be easy and all of a sudden the patient 
will go, oh, yeah, it's okay, Doc. Because that's not how we are as human beings. Just like if there's a serious breach in the, I love when you said sacred relationship or sacred trust. Let's use marriage as a sacred trust. When there's a serious breach, even if the person who's done the breach goes through this entire process and really asks with genuineness and authenticity and resolve never to do it again and real acts to repair, it doesn't mean the person can simply turn off how they've been hurt. That's a process on the patient's side. That's the process on the other person's side in the relationship. And you don't control that process. But there are different stakes there. I mean, divorce certainly is a way of permanently breaking the relationship. Or you can go through a repair process. But there was a love there. Or you hope that there was a love there. But with a patient, you don't have that love factor. You don't have that intense emotional tie. I mean, at least I don't think so many times, especially a surgeon who may not see the patient more than one or two times prior to the surgery, and then after the surgery, the patient goes back to their doctor. I think it's a little bit different. How do you, if you want to say, engage a stranger, take someone who trusted you, who held you to a high standard, and now something's happened, you've asked for the forgiveness following the procedure that you've outlined, but now the patient kind of looks at you with that cold stare. You know what? I would actually challenge the premise that it's not a love relationship. Now, I understand it's not love, sexual love, like it is a husband and wife, and it doesn't have the same 20 years behind it after the pre-betrayal. But I would say that your immediate characterization of the relationship as a sacred trust in the earlier part of this conversation Mm -hmm. indicates that it's on the continuum of what we call love. The thing is, we've banished love from anything but, you know, some kind of sexual relationship, romantic love. We've banished love from that. And so there's no such thing as, in every other society until America, in the past, there's been what we call social love. Love is a social currency. And I would claim that actually the reason the doctor, when he looks into this patient's eyes or her patient's eyes, and desperately, and I'm using the word desperately on purpose, desperately wants forgiveness is mm-hmm. because actually, even if the doctor only saw the patient once before, the very act of being a doctor carries with it an implicit love and commitment and care and concern and compassion that generates a kind of open-heartedness that's very, very complicated to hold, which is why doctors become icy. But we should not imagine that it isn't really real. In the Jewish wisdom tradition, we're told that you must apologize a minimum of three times before you ask the kind of question we're now asking. Oh, we really make a mistake that's hurtful? It takes more than once. If we're really committed to healing the patient or healing the relationship rather than it simply be a narcissistic expression of wanting to be forgiven so I could feel better about myself. And when it's just about me, then it's not about forgiveness anyhow, and the doctor doesn't deserve to be forgiven. When it genuinely is about the other person and the relationship itself, then it sometimes takes two or three times. And that's the commitment if one wants to actually experience being forgiven. And see, what happens is, go through this process three times with a patient. And if the patient continues to be icy, something happens. And I know this from rabbinic work and from other relationships. I was going to ask you if you were ever in a situation where you had to... Of course. You forget, and then how did you break the ice? You know, I'm 25 years in the rabbit, a lot of it, I make a lot of mistakes. I only can think of right now offhand, as you say it, there's two times in my life where I actually don't think that I broke through and I have not been forgiven. And you know what? I have to live with that because I don't control the other person. But knowing as best as I can, I really tried. I really went through this process. I really did ask more than once. 
I came back a few years later to ask again, saying, you know, maybe now you can forgive me because I thought about you, you know, kind of I was like in my Yom Kippur meditation, and you came up even though I haven't thought of you in three years, and I emailed, and I didn't get a response. And part of what happens is when you go through the process genuinely two or three times, your desperation begins to ease. But you don't know that until you do it. Sounds like, unfortunately, that our legal system may interfere with that in that the lawyers right away tell you you're not allowed to have any more contact with the patient. It seems like there's a change that's necessary because both the person yearning for forgiveness as well as the injured party need to continue to be able to have a back-and-forth conversation. Right. This is now a cultural question, and I'm leaving lawyers out of it because, in a sense, they can't be objective about this conversation, though I hope that slowly the legal community will begin to realize that a society in which law crowds out every other type of currency, every other type of accountability, is a society that has actually becomes toxic. And I understand why it got here. It got here because people were not being accountable. And so what law does is law comes in very often when people are not behaving as we know they should and holds people responsible. But ultimately, law does not speak to the psyche and spirit. Law speaks to a kind of external balancing and external correcting, which is important, but never can supplant the interior experience that we're talking about regarding forgiveness. And I'm not being spiritual here, I'm being the, the psychological experience of wanting to be able to feel forgiven when one did something wrong and is really, really wants to say, I, I really messed up, I'm really, really sorry. We as regular members of the society are going to have to change that. And the only way to change it is to change it. No one's going to change it for us. Patients are going to have to say, I probably can't collect on this doctor because there's always a smart lawyer who can get some insurance company and I can get the million dollars from that doctor. I can justify it that way. Or I can say, you know what? At the core, life is really imperfect. And sometimes, and it's really bad that this happened. You know, there is different categories of purposeful neglect and real negligence or mistakes. If patients don't want forgiveness to be in the equation in their lives, they will turn to lawyers. And then what doctors will have to learn how to do is to understand is that the doctor-patient relationship has become, in a certain respect, toxic, even though it's a relationship about curing people. I'd like to thank Rabbi Erwin Kula, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing healing the hurt so to be granted forgiveness. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our on-demand and podcast features, which give you access to our entire program library. I wish you good day and good health.